Well, like I mentioned in the morning, uh, and when we first started, in the morning, it's still the morning, uh, we want to continue with a time of discussion around the teachings of Jesus. And the reason we do that is because we believe that while spiritual truth and spiritual help can be found in all sorts of unique and different places, there's something special about the person of Jesus. There's something unique about who he was and what he taught, and there's something special about him. And so we like to spend our time here every Sunday looking at his scriptures, his life, and from there starting these discussions. And so if you come from a different perspective, we'd love for you to bring it to the table and enjoy and participate in our discussion here today. And uh, I, I really vibed with uh, actually the, the songs that uh, Olivia brought us through. Thank you again, Olivia. Where are you? She's right over here. Okay, thank you, Olivia. All right. Thank you again. Um, you know, and, and I love what she said at the beginning because uh, it has been a weird morning uh, for those of us who set things up and get things going. Um, and I'm just so happy that we can come and be ourselves and not have life figured out and come together to process our spiritual journey. Because the reality is, life is a little chaotic. The reality is, life many times does not go according to plan. And as we transition into our discussion here, I think our opening question might touch on that for some of us here this morning. In fact, it might touch on all of us. And so I want you to turn to your neighbor and to get us ready for the scriptures and Jesus and all that good stuff we're going to be processing. I want you to take a look at this opening question and for the next two minutes, talk it out with your table partners. Who or what is running your life right now? Yeah. Could be chaos, it could be a person, a schedule, a money situation, God. Turn to your neighbor, two minutes. Who or what is running your life right now? So let's, let's think through this together. Let, let's talk about it as a larger community. Uh, who or what is running your life right now? What's going on? Who wants to share? I know this could be a pretty vulnerable question. This also might be a lighthearted question too. Uh, coffee, maybe is some of your answers, or whatever it is. Uh, who or what is running your life right now? Who wants to get us started? Yeah, right over here. So it seemed like the consensus at our table was that our like work schedules pretty much dictate what goes on throughout the day. Even though we like say our prayer in the morning and ask the Lord to to guide us and prioritize our day, we know at the end of the day it's going to be what we have written down in our calendars. Yeah. That's what's going to yeah. God is the calendar somehow. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Okay, let's give it up for Lenora. Let's give it up because I think that's an honest answer. Yeah. What else? Who or what is running your life right now? Who or what is running your life? Esme, you keep pointing at somebody? No? <laughs> I wasn't, you're, you're like trying to point at someone else, which is, good, which is okay. You can always point at other people. Anybody? I, I feel like I see people like going like this, like, they had a good answer. They had a good answer. Okay, okay. So, yeah, we're waiting for the hands, right? We're waiting for the hands. You all right? Don't slip. Uh, money runs my life. Yeah. How so? I'm 25 and growing and seeing a lot of people struggling with money, and I don't want that to be me when I grow up. So money is the probably the, my big driving force right now. Let's give it up. Let's give it up. Yeah. Thanks for being honest. I think many of us would relate to that. Yeah. Anybody else? 
what is, who or what is running your life? Again, I see these arrows. Okay, the hand, the hand. Okay, like I see these not arrows. Not, I see these fingers pointing. I'm like, who are they pointing at? Okay, yeah. I'm going to come up over here. Yeah. I'd say that right now I'm very sensitive to what my purpose is and what I ought to be doing. Um, I've had two jobs before that, I, the one that I have now, and I made much more in those other two jobs, and um, it didn't go as well as the one I, I, I'm in, I am in right now because I feel it, it aligns with my purpose and what I ought to be doing. And so I, I feel that if I'm, not, I'm honest with my values, then um, um, if I let them run my life, then things will work out for themselves. Give it up for Jose. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Who or what runs our life often changes, right? Especially if we thought one thing should run our life and then it doesn't work out. It, it makes us reevaluate and, and rethink some things. And I like what you said, values. Uh, many of us will come back to those values and, and ask the hard question, are our values really running our lives? Good. One more. Anybody else? Who or what is running your life? Who or what is running your life? Oh, over here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This table. So we had a uh, family here, a couple different aspects. My neighbor here <laughs> said my mom, and so that's why she's pointing over there. <laughs> and, um, and I'm on the other side because I'm a parent of two little children, and I know like, their needs are, are, are pretty crazy, and so they're, they're kind of running my life in, in many ways. So, <laughs> so yeah. That's good. That's good. Let's give it up for Dom. Yeah, that's real. Thank you for representing the families and the teens and everything. Thank you. Thank you. You know, what's really fascinating, right, is, you know, all of us are run by something, right? Some of these things are very uh, normal and perhaps very, quote, unquote, shallow. Like, my life at times is run by how hungry I am. It's run by how much sleep I got or didn't get. Uh, and sometimes, you know, the bigger philosophical answers are really what seems to be guiding and running my life. Values, like Jose said, God, um, a number of th relationships can run my life. You know, as we enter into this new series that we got started last week, this series called Good News, the fascinating thing about good news is that the good news of Jesus, when Jesus began to talk about this good news, the good news, one of the key implications of good news was that there was and is a better way to run our lives. When Jesus came and he began to talk about this thing, good news, one of the main claims he made, and we'll be looking at that claim here today, was that there is a better way to run our lives. So as you think about one runs your life right now, and as we begin to process here this morning what Jesus might say about that, uh, I'm going to challenge us to come back to this question that we just asked. What is running your life, and how might it be different? Well, let's jump into our conversation here then and look at some of the teachings of Jesus. If you remember from last week, if you were here last week, last week we began to look at the teachings of Jesus some 2,000 years ago and how Jesus came to talk about something called good news. And last week, we talked about how this concept of good news was in many ways a key buzzword, 
a political buzzword that has a lot of relationship to us today. We talked about how this concept of good news was actually a political word in that time, some 2,000 years ago, used by the ancient Roman Empire who dominated the world, the Western world at that time, as a phrase to talk about how great they were and how much hope they as an empire could offer people. And if you're into history and all this stuff, I, I just want to show you that this is not something I'm making up. If you can get the picture up here, um, this is an inscription from 9th century BC, or 9 BC, so just a few years before Jesus came into this world. So this is about 2,000 years old, 9 BC, and this is uh, an inscription about Caesar, okay? Uh, it's called the Perseus inscription, and if we can get the next slide, this is just a portion of the translation of what the Roman Empire wrote. Can we get the next slide, the translation? Notice what it says here about the Roman Empire, about the rulers of the time, and what good news meant to them, how good news is used. Again, put your mind 2,000 years ago in the Roman Empire, uh, they're writing, and this is actually a letter written in stone, and it's it's reprinted here. Uh, it seemed good to the Greeks of Asia, in the opinion of the high priest, quote, since providence, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, he's the emperor who will be called the first Caesar, essentially, sending him as a savior both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and range all things. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance, surpassing all previous benefactors and not even leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done. Isn't it interesting that narcissistic rulers sound the same whether they're 2,000 years old <laughs> on the present? Right? No one has ever done it, and no one ever will ever do it. Interesting. And since the birthday of the god, Augustus, notice this emperor is being called a god, was the beginning of the good news for the world that came by reason of him. So this is a pretty clear example right? This is not something we're making up here. This is how the Roman Empire thought about what good news was. Essentially, and we made this illusion last week, it was the Roman Empire's way of saying, make Rome great again. It was a political phrase that talked about their military might, their narcissistic rulers, and the empire they wanted to bring. And here Jesus comes in the midst of this and a lot of times, you know, we think Jesus, like, shies away from politics, or we think Jesus isn't controversial. No, no, no. Jesus was like, you know what? Let's not talk about making Rome great again. I have good news. I have something bigger and better than any Caesar, any president could ever imagine. And not just for the world as a whole, but just like any politician back then and now, politicians always talk about your life, my life, our personal life, how they can make it better. Jesus makes the same claim. And Jesus is saying, there is good news for you and I. It's quite an audacious claim. It's a big claim. It's, it's pretty controversial. 
And so today, as we begin to think about then, well, what was and is this good news? Again, we're going to realize that Jesus, as he begins to talk about this good news, is that this good news has everything to do with how our lives are run and who controls our life. Take a look at our scripture excerpt, if you will, this morning. On the sheets here, there's a little crown here, and uh, we'll tell you a little bit why that crown is there. But this is a very simple excerpt from the oldest biography of Jesus. We talked about this last week. We are looking through, in these next few months, the oldest, the first biography of Jesus, the biography called Mark. And um, this, what we're about to read, is literally the first words that come out of Jesus' mouth in this first biography, Okay. And it says this, after John was put to prison, if you remember John, John was from last week. John was a friend of Jesus, in fact, a cousin of Jesus. John was the person who helped people get ready for Jesus. And notice how this is really startling or sad or real that, you know, with all of our lives, there's always news coming at us. A lot of it seems to be bad. Right at this beginning, we... See that Jesus is in the midst of some bad news. His cousin has been put in prison. But the text goes on. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the, here's our word, good news, but not of Caesar, the good news of God. And this is the good news. Notice the quotations. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe, and there's our phrase again, good news. Let's just read it one more time. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, what in the world is Jesus talking about? The time has come. Last week, you'll remember, we talked about how whenever good news is about to come into our life, actually God has been preparing the ground all along. There's a bigger story that good news is a part of. And so if you missed last week's talk, take a look at last week's talk, so you'll get kind of an explanation for that phrase. But then notice this next phrase, the kingdom of God has come near. What is Jesus actually talking about? Well, if you think about what a kingdom involves... It typically involves three things, right? And this is where the diagram comes in. Take a look at your diagram. A kingdom always involves a king. It involves a set of laws, how that place is run. And it involves a territory, right? Like boundaries, walls, whatever it is. Kingdoms involve kings, laws, and territories. When Jesus comes and he talks about a kingdom... Again, because Rome was the kingdom, and Rome, as we saw in this earlier quote, was claiming to be even the kingdom of God, Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm here to announce the kingdom of God. And guess what? You think there's a certain king in power? No. I'm going to be that king. You think there's a certain rule of laws that dictate how this place is run? No, no. I'm going to lay down a new rule of laws, a new new set of laws. And you think this kingdom has this vast territory? No, no, no. I have a claim to the territory as well. And the way it works is it works 
in a big sort of way, as we get to know Jesus, Jesus will be talking about wanting the whole world to know about peace and forgiveness and justice, the laws of the land. And he'll be claiming his kingship over all of it. But it also relates to the personal things. Like that, this is where I want you to think about your first question. What runs your life right now? Did you know that whatever runs your life is making the same three claims of the kingdom for you? If it's money, guess who your king is? It's money. What's the rule of law for money? There are a lot of rules of law. It could be whatever gets you the most money, do it. Whatever relationships get you the most money, stay in them. If they don't get you money, don't be in those relationships. If marriage is a good idea to get you money, then get married. If not, then don't get married. Right? If money is your king, money will have a set of laws that it will try to operate your life with. And not only that, money has a bit of territory in your life too, right? Money isn't just there to talk about your checkbook. Money is going to claim everything about you. It's going to claim your dreams at night. It's going to claim your relationships. It's going to claim what shoes you wear and, or don't wear. It's going to claim what place you live, the location you choose to live. It's interesting that whatever runs our life will make those three claims of our life. And so the question is, what would it be like for Jesus to enter in and be the king? To call the laws, to make the laws, and to take every bit of territory. I want you to take a moment with your table partners and think about that thing that runs your life. And I want you to just, on this sheet here, kind of write down how it actually runs your life. Okay, so if it's your work schedule, put work schedule as king. And think through, wait, how is that work schedule actually creating the laws that regulate me? What kind of laws is it telling me? And what, how much territory is it actually taking in my life? Take about two minutes. Just jot down your thoughts. You can brainstorm as a table. And then we're going to ask a big question after that. All right? Two minutes. Turn to your neighbors. Let's process that. So who wants to process with us a little bit about what's running their life, the king, in your life, and how it's actually setting up laws and drawing territory. Yeah, Sean, thank you for getting us started. Yeah. So um, I am here with my brother, and we're talking this out, and I think, I think I'm like the king of my own life, right? Yeah. Um, but I realize that, like, we're all, the, we're all, my brother helped me, like, we're all a part, we're all running our lives, but, like, in that case, then I think of, like, what, what, what would Jesus want me to do? Yeah. And um, I, th I think, like, it's hard to know for sure. Sometimes you do know, but sometimes you, I, you know, I'm trying to read books about praying and feeling like I get the right message from God that I'm trying to, that, that I'm supposed to have. Yeah. So just, but then I, I realize that the, yeah, but I've, I've, I have a hard time discerning, you know, like I've tried to read books like Knowing God and things like that. Yeah. No, thanks, Sean. Yeah, they, we're going to get into that. Uh, this whole series, as we talk about this good news, I mean, we're going to begin to try to 
process from the ground level. Like, what, what does it mean? Okay, if the good news is kingdom, like Jesus' kingdom. He wants to bring God's kingdom. Practically, what does that look like? You, you put your finger on a great question that we're going to elaborate on through this series. So thank you for that. Yeah. What else are we processing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, work. Um, work affects my sleep because yeah. I need to wake up early. Yeah. And then by the time I'm done, I'm tired. Yeah. So how much time do I have left for activities yeah. that I would really like to go and participate in, yeah. but I'm too tired? So it's like a vicious cycle, you know, do I do this, do I, and then I have to sleep early because I need to wake up early, and it goes on and on. Yeah, no, thank you for that. That's a great example. Yeah, work has given you new laws about how you should sleep or not sleep, how you should do activities or not do activities. Like, work has a set of laws for you, and it's, the territory it's taking is everything, it seems like, yeah. Oh, that's, a, that's, that's great to process, yeah. Who else? How, else? how else are you processing this here this morning? Yeah. We fleshed out what it looks like for our work schedules or just our commitment schedules to run our life, um, and we came to that productivity at all costs is what is important. Um, and then from there, even that our worth is based on our pro- productivity and what we can accomplish and get done is what defines how worthy we are. Um, and talking about territory, you know, obviously your time, um, but even more than that, your mental space um, becomes completely consumed by the schedule, this productivity, the stuff you have to get done. Thank you. That's good. That's good. You know, it's, it's fascinating, right, to just think through this, to take the moment to pause and reflect. Because, again, I think more often than not, we are run by things we don't realize or things we'd rather not run our lives. I think about, for me personally, um, I dislike conflict. How many of you like, are like me? You don't like conflict. Okay, all y'all ra- not raising your hand, we're not going to hang out with you. Okay, it's just, no, okay, no, anyways. Um, And so when conflict comes, conflict, that tension on conflict can be the master of my life. You ever have that happen? And it starts to dictate a set of laws for you, what to say, what not to say when you're around this person or that person, how to interpret these texts or how not to interpret those texts. You know, it begins to give you a set of laws to run your life, and it begins to consume all sorts of spaces. The territory it takes up is a lot. And so in the midst of your world, in the midst of my world, Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of conflict, not the kingdom of work, not the kingdom of this relationship, not the kingdom of money, but the kingdom of God is near. So what do we do? What do we do when God is saying, hey, I want to enter in, and I actually want to be the king. And as you make me king, I'm going to give you actually a new set of laws. And here's the thing that we'll discover. God's set of laws, don't think about the Ten Commandments, don't think about that kind of thing. Be open, because Jesus, as he begins to talk about God's set of laws, he's going to amaze us. God's set of laws are good. 
They're meant to give life. They're not meant to take away life. And so God is saying, I want to be king. I have a set of laws I, I want to bring, and I'm going to take every bit of the territory in your life, and it's going to be good. What do we do? How do we enter into that space? How do we even begin? Well, it's interesting because this biography of Mark literally will spend the rest of the book telling us. So it's going to be a journey. We're going to have a journey here. But Jesus gives us some hints right here in our excerpt. And you see it right there in front of you, right? Jesus gives us two words to begin to think about. Two words that will guide the rest of this biography, the rest of this gospel. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Now, here's the deal. These terms are often misunderstood quite a bit. Many times when we hear the word repent, we're thinking about this on the screen, aren't we? Let's get that picture on the screen. We're thinking about somebody on the street corner saying, repent, the kingdom is near, or repent, you're going to hell because you're doing this and that. We think of repentance primarily in terms of moral action, right? We tend to think of that word, right? When you heard the word repent, even this morning, did you think, oh, that means I got to change, like, my sexual habits, or I got to stop cussing, or I got to, whatever it is, right? We, we tend to think in terms of morality. And while morality is very important, it, it is, the word repent in the original language is a very fascinating word because it means change your thinking. It's metanoia in the original Greek language, which means change your mind or change your thinking. And it basically refers to like this. You're, you're kind of going in this one direction in life, and you realize something's wrong, and so you kind of change. You make a 180 change, and you go this way. Change your thinking, change the direction of your life. Yes, it involves morality. It may involve that, but it goes much deeper. And then belief. Again, fascinating. Belief is a, something that begins here, doesn't it? And so the question will be, as we enter into this, continue to press into this series, as we say, like, okay, maybe I'll let God and Jesus be king, I'll be open to that. Jesus will then begin to say, well, I'm going to need you to change some ways you think. And that's what we're going to have to be looking for in this series. That's what we're going to have to be open to. The change in direction that begins here. And so let me just conclude by asking uh, some simple questions here. Question number one, back to the same question we started with. Who's running your life? But here's the follow-up question. Are you happy with that king? Do you like his or her or its laws in your life? Do you like the territory it's conquered? Or are you ready for a new king in your life? 
going to invite up uh, Olivia and Dana. And they're going to, as usual, give us some space to, to pray, to ask these questions. And again, like you said, Sean, thank you for your, your comment. There are a lot of details that follow this, right? Like, okay, well, what are the new set of laws? How do I know these are the set of laws? There's a lot of questions. We're going to explore those questions. But I think it begins with this question that we've asked. Who's running your life? Let's be honest. And, and are we ready for a change? Are we ready to, quote, unquote, repent? To change, change our direction of our thinking, to allow God to change our mind? and move in a different direction. Now, as, as Olivia and Dana, as they share a song with us, we want to invite you to pray and process this question with God. And here, here's, here's one of the key things that we need to understand with, with prayer and processing this question with God. The beautiful thing about the good news that we will discover later on is that part of the good news is that actually we can't change ourselves. And that's actually really good news because I have a feeling that all of us here have tried to change ourselves. We have tried to repent already. We've already tried that. It doesn't work very well. And so that's why we need that believe part. That believe part isn't just a mental belief. It's also a trust in something. And so we need to begin to trust that God will make the change for us, not us. And Jesus will later flesh out that that belief ultimately will, be need, will, will need to be placed in Him. He's the one from God that has come to actually change us. And so this morning, as you pray and as you think through this, as you ask these questions, I want to say that when all is said and done, will you come to that place of not trying to change yourself, and saying, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust you to change me. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to put myself at your feet, put myself in your hands to actually change me. Can you join me in a final word of prayer here this morning? God, we, we hear your invitation. We do. It's an invitation of better news, the better news of a better king, a better set of laws, a better kingdom. God, we, we tell you we want to turn. We want to turn away. We want to repent. We want to change our minds away from the kings and kingdoms we've, that are running our lives. We need your help to repent. We need your help to turn. Would you help us here this morning? Thank you, God, for this time. Would you guide us through this week? Uh, we realize that repentance is something that in many ways is a daily thing. It's something we have to do every moment we wake up. We have to have our mind changed. And so we ask for your help, not just right now, but throughout this upcoming week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.